0: Buy at that low cap rate, but you can increase rent significantly, then you're going to turn it into a much better operating cap rate. And it is going to be a good investment for you. So I would just say, see where you can find where they have not kept up with the market where you can raise rent significantly, get good financing, and you can make it a good deal.
1: Quick disclaimer the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com.
2: Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Lee Yoder. Lee is joining us from Cincinnati, Ohio. He is a full-time commercial real estate investor and has almost 200 units under his belt. Lee, thank you for joining us, and how are you today?
0: Doing well, Ash. Excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me.
2: It's our pleasure. Lee, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
0: Sure. So I went to school for a really long time to become a physical therapist. had a good job, was actually doing home health physical therapy, where I drove around to people's houses, and it was a great schedule, great for the family, but I was just really bored. I wasn't challenged in that, wasn't fulfilled with that work. So the company I was with actually asked me to come in the office to be clinical director. Pretty soon, I was doing no physical therapy. I was in the office 100% of the time really kind of traditional client corporate ladder and really enjoying that work. But now my home life was not good because I was kind of getting carried away with the corporate ladder. Like again, good job, but just not fitting what my wife and I, like God was calling us to for our family and our life. So somebody turned me on to real estate, actually my partner today that was working with me at that corporate job. And I thought, okay, well, I want to get into this real estate, talked to another guy that was doing it full time. And he said, Hey Lee, is there any way you can do your job from home? And for me, the answer was no. I always like to bring that up, Osh, because more and more people today can do their job from home, right? So I couldn't at the time, but I thought, man, but if I go back to home health physical therapy, I can't do that from home, but it's a very flexible, very relaxed job. So I thought if I wanna do real estate as a side hustle, I should go back to home health. So that's what I did. I took a big pay cut, but I knew I was gonna have the flexibility now and the bandwidth to be able to start a real estate side hustle. So I did that. I left at the end of 2016. That corporate job it wasn't until toward the end of 2017 that I got started. I started with a, just flipping a single family home. The next year I got a duplex. The next year I started getting into multifamily, got a 16 unit an eight unit and a 10 unit. It took about a year to turn those all around, took all those full circle, sold them. And then this year we've gotten into syndication and that's what we do now. We got a 45 unit, a 47 unit and have a 96 unit under contract this year. So that's kind of been my progression.
2: All right, hold on. You went way too fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you reduced your salary. You went from being a physical therapist to a home health aide. And then you got into real estate. And then I just heard a lot of units getting thrown my way. So what was your first deal?
0: Yeah. First We're just, I was a physical therapist the whole time. I was just doing like a corporate job. So I was like a director of operations type role. Got so it. in the office. Op- I'm doing no actual physical therapy. So we started with a flip, Osh. A lot of people start that way. My wife and I didn't know anybody. Nobody in our family was an entrepreneur, let alone a real estate entrepreneur. And she's very risk adverse. I'm not, but I wanted to honor her and kind of meet in the middle. So we decided to start with a flip because just less risk, just because even if it all went south, we could have afforded the mortgage on that house. We could have afforded our mortgage along with that. So I said, worst case scenario, we're paying off two houses. We're paying off two assets. So that's worst case scenario. We did okay on the flip. The funny thing about it, Osh, was the amount of my pay cut for that year with my new job to allow me to get real estate, that's how much we made in that flip. So oh, that's great. It's like a perfect lesson of I just changed jobs, right?
2: You didn't I, tell your wife that if you can't find a renter, you can use it as a man cave?
0: No, we didn't cross that bridge. <laughs> I didn't ask about that. that would've, it, would've been, it was in our town, so wouldn't have been a bad idea finding a little house. So did well on it, but just learned pretty quickly. Now the whole time I'm listening to podcasts like this one, Osh, but people do different things. That, that's the cool thing about your guys' podcast. You have so many different people on there. There's a lot of different avenues you can go. But the people that I was following and felt like I identified with were saying, flipping is not investing. It's a job. If you want to really get into investing, go bigger, go bigger, quicker. So I still felt like I had to learn it myself and do the flip. But with that flip, I was like, yeah, this was just a different job. I enjoyed it. And it got my foot into real estate. So I still think it's an okay place to start, but I didn't stay there very long. I just did one and then I got into a duplex Now,
2: Did you do the duplex by yourself? Did you have partners?
0: On both of those, I really did it by myself. I brought in contractors, but I was the GC and I really kind of did it by myself. And my in-laws did lend us some money for the flip. Our home equity line of credit didn't come through quick enough. The bank got fired and, and there was a mess there because we could have done it on our own. We did the duplex on our own, but I started out kind of doing it on my own. And then when I got into the multifamily, the duplex, we did a 60-unit. That's when I started bringing in one or two partners in doing joint ventures.
2: All right. So the duplex, did you end up selling that?
0: Yeah, we sold it in under a year. So it okay, really so ended up like a flip. I did have a benefit a little bit. It was kind of a full turn. We got it both units and, and it was a full flip. But I got a little bit of a taste as a landlord because I managed that myself. And again, just learned really quickly, Osh, that this isn't what I want to do. I want to buy apartment buildings and have a third-party manager.
2: Lee, did I hear you say your next deal was a 60-unit? No, sorry.
0: 16.
2: Oh, 16. Okay. I was going to say you didn't try to go for a quad or 10 unit before the 60, but okay. Yeah. That makes sense. 16 unit. So you wanted to go big. You were educating yourself. You knew what you had to do. What were some of the challenges in going from a duplex to a 16 unit?
0: I will say uh, a couple of things. One is just wrapping your mind around it. Again, my wife and I, we felt crazy buying a duplex, having a second property just because the people around us, friends and family, no one was doing that. So now going to a 16 unit just sounded astronomical. Like this is just something only incredibly wealthy people do. Just that kind of common thing. But that's where the podcast like this one, comes come into play. because you start hearing more and more people, you're like, there are a lot of people doing this. So that was definitely one is just a mindset thing. But a property like that, it runs more like a business. So it's not like duplexes and single families. They're kind of based on comps. So I knew Hey, I'm buying it for this. And that's a really good deal because likely I can sell it for this. With the 16 unit, now you're evaluating that as a business and underwriting for that is very different. So I really had to learn underwriting. So that was a big hurdle. Luckily, the Cincinnati RIA, every city has a RIA and Cincinnati, I believe is a very good one. And it has an apartment investing focus group once a month. So I started going to that. Also, I'm lucky to live in Cincinnati where Joe Fairless back in those days, uh, it's back now, but had a meetup. So I was going there and learning. You really have to learn how to underwrite. So at the apartment focus group, the guy that led that had gone to one of the boot camps and gotten some coaching like Joe and some other guys offer. Maybe you do too, Osh. And he had learned and he was really just passing that on to us. So through that group, I really got good at underwriting. And that was a big hurdle to get into that. And then I would say, if you're going to manage it, that's a huge hurdle. I decided not to do that and use a third party manager. And then it just comes down to finding a good one, which is kind of a hurdle too, but I was able to find it for.
2: All right, a couple of questions. What are things that people leave off on underwriting typically?
0: I'll tell you just from experience, something I left off is deferred maintenance. On the 16 unit, we knew it was very poorly managed. So we were coming in with a big CapEx budget. We can't hardly ever get this today, but we did get a big amount of money back at closing to help with the roof and stuff like that. So I had a good grasp on the CapEx. There were three vacant units already. I figured a couple more were gonna become vacant. So I had a good budget to take on those. What I did not expect, what I've learned a couple times, it's taken me a couple properties to learn is that the people that stay and are happy to stay and are happy to take on the increased rent, and you think their unit must be decent because they're living in it, it's not the case. You go in, and we spent thousands on some of these units because while the previous owner was okay with them not having running water to their vanity sink in the bathroom, we're not okay with that, so we're going to fix that and. They don't have hot water. So we're going to fix that. And things are falling down. It was big. The bird maintenance and the units, we spent a lot of money on that. And I ended up actually on the very first one, I put some extra money on my own into it to kind of take care of some of those things. And it all worked out, but we spent more money on that for sure.
1: We'll get back to the show in just two minutes. But first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. Investor Guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive, apartment, and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies. Building relationships and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com.
2: Did I hear you say you got a property manager? You're a hands on guy. What are you doing with a property manager for 16 units? You know,
0: Ash, again, listening to podcasts, I feel like a good bit of advice for me anyway, again, everybody's different, is figure out what you're good at, but then also figure out what you enjoy. I mean, if I'm going to create this business for myself, I'm still doing physical therapy full-time during this, but I want to do real estate full-time, but I want to do the parts of real estate that I want to do. And taking calls from residents, again, we did it for a little bit on that duplex, and we had great residents. They were easy. It was a good area. I didn't enjoy that burden of, knowing that they're gonna be calling me and I'm not super savvy as a plumber or an electrician. So I just knew early on, that's not what I wanna spend my time doing. I wanna spend my time finding deals, finding money, putting that together. I always kind of knew I wanted to end up going the syndication route. So if you're saying yes to property management, you're saying no to having time for some other things, or at least a lot of time. So I just found early on that I did not wanna be doing this. I wanted to be doing that. And I just didn't have interest in managing units. And I'll tell you what, Osh. On that 16 unit, I found out very quickly that for me, that was one of the best decisions I've made.
2: Good for you for recognizing that earlier. What was the purchase price on that?
0: 350000
2: And did you borrow funds or do joint venture on that one?
0: Yeah, we did 80% LTV financing from a local bank. And then I had one partner. Actually, I brought in kind of that mentor that was leading the department focus group. I gave him a little piece of the deal because he really helped me with the paperwork. I and mean, I was doing everything, but I kept going to him. Hey, how do you fill out this LOI? What about this contract? Yep. Let me take a look at it. Just right there in the, in the wing, just giving me that little bit of support giving me that confidence, give him a piece of the deal. I had 50% of it. And then I brought in another partner that mostly just brought the money, Brought a hundred thousand dollars for the down payment and the CapEx. So three of us JV on that
2: one. Okay. So you didn't have any of your own money in this deal, did you? No. Ah, that's a win. Yes, that was. Uh, do you still own this property?
0: No, we went full cycle on this one.
2: What was the return to your investor?
0: A little over 173, I think something like that.
2: In what period of time?
0: Just about 13 months.
2: Wow. All right, so now you've got high expectations for your next property.
0: Yes, that was not good. All
2: right, what's the next one?
0: Some people talk about the law of the first deal, Osh. I'm a perfect example of that. The day we were closing on that 16 unit, as far as multifamily, a buddy of mine who I've been telling all about multifamily and close friend of mine from church, He finds an eight unit listed on the residential MLS. And he's like, what do you think of this one? And again, because I'd had so much practice underwriting by this time and been training myself in that, I knew right away that was an awesome deal. So I said, get a hold of your buddy who's the realtor on this one. Tell him we'll pay full price. So we got an eight unit under contract the day we were closing on the 16 unit. And then just about a month, month and a half later, we got a 10 unit under contract. So kind of rapid succession, got 34 units between three buildings in the fall of 2019.
2: And your property manager is performing well?
0: Yes, they were. They managed two of the three of those. One was a little bit too far away for them because it was out in Wilmington, too far outside of Dayton for them to manage. And then all of our properties are in and around Dayton. But they did do very well. I would say they were like a solid B, which a lot of people say, hey, I'll take that with property management because it is hard to find good. They just didn't lease units very quickly. So I did end up moving away from them on the properties that we took on this year as we syndicated. But yeah, they were solid. And as we mentioned, 60 units did very well. I made a very good return and they were a big part of that. So happy with them, but just didn't lease units quick enough.
2: Yeah. Lee, what's the tough lesson you learned about friends and investors and taking other people's money?
0: I've been fortunate so far. I will say early on, you just want to set the right expectations. I guess too, Asha, as I mentioned, I just was not conservative enough with the deferred maintenance and I did end up putting some of my own money in. On another one, all of us investors, we were all close and in on it. So we all put a little bit more in. When we've gotten into syndication now, honestly, that is not gonna happen. So we've over-raised because you just don't wanna go back to people and ask for more, even though all those turned out phenomenally. It just doesn't instill confidence when it's, hey, we should have brought more to the deal And, and you don't wanna raise more than you have to, but you wanna err on that side of things for sure. But I haven't had to learn too many lessons with investing with people close to me. As far as property management, It's really hard to pick a good one, Ash. I think referrals is number one. And I would just say, you've heard one property manager is good. You got to talk to some people that have used them for over a year because a property manager can be pretty good for a while and then really start to fall off. So it's hard to pick a good one. I say, you got to use referrals to find a good property manager.
2: Yeah, Lee, at this point, are you still a physical therapist?
0: No, almost a year ago, I quit. So those three smaller ones that we bought at the end of 2019, We sold two of them toward the end of 2020, and I quit December 2nd of 2020. So doing that allowed me to quit.
2: Good. And what was your first syndication?
0: The first one was a 45 unit here in the Dayton area that we got. It's actually a 29-unit building and two eight-unit buildings pretty close to each other. So that was the first syndication we did, and we closed on that in February of this year.
2: And why did you go the syndication route versus just doing a joint venture with people that you know?
0: I guess the easiest answer is just because we wanted to do bigger deals. And I just don't know enough people that can bring 250,000 plus to a deal. So, on that first one, we raised 550,000. So, if I'd have known a couple guys that could put up to 300,000, then I probably would have done a joint venture, but I just didn't. So, we needed more investors. And when you're going to bring on more investors and they're going to truly be passive, they're not going to be part of the deal, then you have to go the syndication route.
2: How did you find these investors?
0: It started out family and friends, Ash, and then it's kind of grown organically. So family and friends have referred other family and friends of theirs, and other coworkers and things like that. I'll tell you that again, the Cincinnati RIA has been a great place where I've found other passive investors because you think, hey, the RIA that's probably all people that want to do it actively, and it is, but some of them maybe kind of get frustrated with that or they can't find a deal, so they end up investing with us passively. The other thing is too, some of them want to be active, but they also have a self-directed 401k or a Roth IRA, and you can't be active with that. So they'll be active with their own money and find their own deals, but they'll invest with us through their self-directed IRA.
2: That's a great insight. Have you advertised or spent any marketing dollars looking for investors or has it all been organic?
0: It's all been organic. I do a podcast as well. I'd say that's helped a little bit. And I just do social media stuff. We can't advertise for our deals because we do 506B offerings, which means We can take non-accredited investors. So that means we cannot advertise at all, but I can still talk about what we're doing, talk about the properties that we've already taken down and just kind of show what we're doing. So people that know us and have heard of us will kind of see what we're doing and then they'll ask about it.
2: And Lee, on your 45 unit, do you still own that? Yes. What's the return to investors, projected return?
0: We always do a preferred return, but the way we usually like to look at it is that there's an annualized return. So if we were to sell, our projected return is that over five years, if you look back what they've made and what they make from the sale, it would be an 18% annual return for
2: them. Thank you for using that metric versus multiple IRR and all the other crazy numbers. I honestly just want to know what's my annualized cash on cash return. So if I take the amount of money I get back divided by the number of years I've had it, that's all I want to know. Thank you for that. (laughs) I hate when people say, Oh, we're looking for a 1.6 multiple. I don't know what that means, man. Like how long are you going to hold it? Oh, it
0: means very different yeah. things. Like two years or eight.
2: Yeah. It could be a 5X multiple. You're going to hold it for 50 years. It just, <laughs> right. yeah. Again, I appreciate that. And I wish more people did that. So Got awesome. It. What's the deal that you're working on now? So now we're working on a
0: 96 unit. Also up here in Dayton. And it's actually kind of a unique one, Osh, because they're all quads. So it's 24 A lot of roofs. Quads, a lot of roofs. Yep. But they're all right on this like little roundabout. So it kind of looks, acts, and breathes like a 96-unit apartment complex, but it's actually all these little quads. So there's a lot of roofs and we've got a big CapEx budget for that. But we also just love the little brick branch boxes on a slab, electric baseboard heat, just very simple, easy buildings to maintain.
2: Are they all single story? Yes. I would imagine they all have a yard.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of green space.
2: How did you find this deal?
0: This one was through a broker relationship, brokerage in Cincinnati that we've gotten a really good relationship. They've brought to us our last two deals, our 47 unit and our 96 unit, it came from them. We weren't the only people they showed it to, but it wasn't listed, so there was probably five or six people they're showing it to, and we've gotten into that small group of people. So there's still some competition, but not like being listed. We're not bidding against. I was putting an offer in on a property the other day, thirty five offers. So we're doing better than that, but there's still some competition, but they've given us kind of that really chance at it.
2: How did you win against the other people, the prospects? Was it just price?
0: We were competitive on price, but on the 96 unit, we were not the highest price. I think on the other one, we may not have been either. i tell you, on the 47 unit, this wasn't the case because this was the first deal we closed with this broker. Because we made that so easy on them and we're just very easy to work with for the brokers, they really like working with us. So they really presented us to the sellers of the 96 unit that we were very good buyers. We're going to do what we say we're going to do. We're not going to try to retrade a lot. We're just going to be very easy to work with. And we're just good buyers. So that's definitely been a part of it that we've been able to start to build that credit with the brokers. But also we did do hard money and now tough pill to swallow. Not something I, I was thinking about doing, but in this competitive environment, that is another way to compete. We don't waive inspections or anything like that. There's no way I'd do something like that. But we, we did allow some of our money to go hard immediately. And then we allowed the rest of our earnest money to go hard after inspections. So they did let us tour the building. The 96 unit, our property manager is already managing the property. So that was a way for us to feel very comfortable with the property before even doing our inspection, things like that. So we did some things to try to get comfortable enough to do that. But the hard money does speak because the brokers and the sellers, they want a certain price, but they really want to know that you're not going to mess around for 30, 45 days and then make them do it all over again. They want to make sure you're going to close and. Hard money says that you're probably going to close.
2: How much of the money went hard instantly?
0: 50% of our earnest money. How
2: instantly. much was that?
0: 50000
2: So 50000 went hard?
0: Day one, and then another fifty after the inspection period.
2: Yeah, so I'm starting to see that a lot more. That's pretty yeah. crazy. Yes. There was no way to get your money back?
0: They had to provide us a clean title. So if they can't provide a clean title, then we would have gotten it back. But outside of that, no, we're not getting it back. If we walk away, it's not like you can't still negotiate some. So if we come in and we find the 47 unit that the foundation is going to need 300 grand worth of work, we're going to go back and we've already got 50 hard. So they can say, hey, we're not paying for a dime of that 300,000. But they also know if they want to sell the building, the next buyer is going to find that too. So they may have to negotiate with them. But yeah, you're
2: they're almost incentivized to be like, all right, see you later. I'll keep your 50. Yeah. That's a tough one. Good for it you is. for having the stones to do that, man. That was good. Yeah. It's
0: worked out so far. You're right though. It is very common. Everybody's doing this. Yeah. Now. Obviously it's a seller's market.
1: We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend, Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now. and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. What was the purchase price on this property?
0: On the 96, 6 million.
2: And how much did you raise?
0: We're in the middle of that, but at 1.65.
2: Okay. So that'll be your total raise. Yes. How much of that is going to be CapEx?
0: Well, the nice thing today, Osh, you can get really good financing for your CapEx for a rehab budget as well. So we've got a rehab budget of six hundred thousand, but the bank is going to give us eighty percent of that. So we okay. only have to raise one twenty of the six hundred out of our CapEx budget. So there's one twenty, and I'd say probably another fifty. So we're only having to raise 170 of our six hundred and fifty thousand dollar capex budget.
2: Got it. And each unit will be renovated. How much will the rents go up?
0: Rents are $160 under market rent. So we think we can get them up 110 with doing very little, but we do plan to renovate nearly all the units over five years. It's a five-year plan and get them up to at least 800. I think we'll probably be pushing that, especially two to three years from now.
2: And it sounds like there's a lot of roads in this development. Is that your responsibility?
0: No, it's not our responsibility. It's just one. It's one roundabout road and they're all around the outside and the inside of this little roundabout. Uh, Okay,
2: good. Perfect. What's been your biggest challenge on this property so far?
0: I guess I would say the biggest challenge was probably winning the deal. There was a lot of competition and we really had to sharpen the pencil, figure out how to make this work. Getting good financing obviously is a big part of that. As you know, that's why prices are so sinking high because financing is so good. So you have to take advantage of that, in my opinion, and in my experience in order to compete. So we had to say, okay, well, what if we can finance the rehab budget? Because raising $600,000 from investors versus getting at least 80% of the $600,000 at 3.5% financing is a big difference. You know, As we mentioned, we want to pay our investors a lot more than 3.5%. So the more cheap money you can get, the more you can offer. And you can say, well, I don't want to do that. Well, the people that are bidding against you likely are doing that. So that's why they're able to offer more. So That's something, Osh, honestly, it's crazy. As I mentioned, I really got into multifamily toward the end of 2019, and it's hard to adjust how far we've come in two years. I bought the 10 unit at 30,000 unit, sold it for 60, but I'm still buying, so now I'm buying for 60, and it's hard to be on the other end of that, but that is where the market is. So with this one, honestly, it was very difficult for me to say, okay, well, because of the financing, because of where rents can get to, it is worth this high price. It feels like I'm overpaying, but with getting good debt and room to, to grow rents and where I think it's a good investment long term, you end up getting comfortable with it. That was definitely the hardest part of this one for me.
2: Lee, would you consider turning some of these into condos? I haven't
0: considered that, Osh. I wouldn't say that I wouldn't consider that, but that's not part of our business plan.
2: Yeah, it's almost interesting if you run the numbers, what these people pay in rent they may be able to pay the same and own their property and you might be able to get a higher sale price per unit if you do that. So worth looking into.
0: Yeah. Since they're separate buildings. Yeah. We could get creative
2: or sell them as quads. Yeah. Sell them off to investors individually. People love quads, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Lee, what do you say to people that right now there's a lot of buzz? Oh, it's too hard to find a deal. There's no good deals out there. What do you say to those people?
0: I would say it is very competitive. And I think you do have to be careful. But there are still deals trading. And I would say, again, what I kind of just went through, financing is very different today. And rents have risen a lot. Now, I don't think you need to project that rents are going to keep doing what they've done in the past year. But I also don't think rents are going to drop a bunch or any at all. Maybe they're going to plateau here a little bit. But I do think there's a lot of buildings where the owners have not kept up with the rent increase that we've seen as an entire country. So a lot of people will say between 2020 and 2021, rents went up 14 to 17% nationwide. And if you can find a property where they're nowhere close to that and you're checking and all the rents in the area, or at least a lot of them are $150 higher, then you can overpay for that property a little bit and still be made whole by just bringing rents up to market. And I think that's a solid strategy. So I would say it is very expensive, but you can get very good financing. That's why it's expensive. So you just got to be willing to take advantage of that good financing. And have a plan to get rent up If you got a building where they've already achieved that market rent then you don't want to overpay for that because you're buying at a five cap it's going to stay at a five cap and that's not a good way to make money but if you buy at that low cap rate but you can increase rent significantly then you're going to turn it into a much better operating cap rate and it is going to be a good investment for you so i would just say see where you can find where they have not kept up with the market where you can raise rent significantly get good financing and you can make it a good deal.
2: Good advice. Lee, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: You know, Ash, I would say get clear on what you want to do in investing and get started early. I think the best way to do that is networking. I would go and find some people that are doing what you want to do, shadow them a little bit, talk to them, see if that is really what you want to do. And then if it is, just try to glean from them, do something for them, learn from them, start getting educated, and then you just got to jump at some point. You got to jump in. And probably a great way to do that is to find somebody that's already doing what you want to do and add value. Maybe you just underwrite like crazy and you end up finding a deal and bring it to them. Let it be their deal, but let you be a part of it. And that's going to get you started.
2: Lee, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, I think so. Let's do it. Lee, what's the best ever book you recently read?
0: I would say one that I recently read was Do Not How. That was a really good one for me as we start to think about scaling our business a little bit. If you want to scale, you often are going to have to delegate some things to other people while you focus on the more important tasks. And who, not how kind of teaches you to start saying, when a problem comes your way, you don't say, how can I do this? You say, who else can I get to do this? If you want to scale, I think that's a a good book for me. Yeah,
2: that book impacted a lot of people in a positive way. Lee, what's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: You know, my wife
2: and I, we have two young kids. And we really like to
0: involve them. And and so we're actually working now, my my wife has been working on this for the past couple weeks, getting just like a small gift to give to our residents and just give them something. We've done this in the past. When COVID hit, we gave some Kroger gift cards to our residents. We've done some gift cards and and a little gift at Christmas. And it's fun just to give back to the residents. We've got these people right here. Some of them hurting in different ways in different situations. So, so far, we we really like to give back. And, And it's fun involving our kids to teach them that God has really blessed us in a big way. And through real estate, and we think we need to be good stewards of that blessing and, and try to bless others. So we're trying to teach our kids that it's fun that we can involve our kids and do that with our property, mix our work with that.
2: That's awesome. And Lee, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you?
0: Yeah, Osh, probably the best way is to check out our website, threefoldrei.com. So that's T-H-R-E-E-F-O-L-D-R-E-I as in real estate investing.com. Definitely check us out there. And then you can find me on Facebook and Instagram too, Lee Yoder put me up there, but check out our website. for sure.
2: Awesome. Lee, thank you again for coming on the show, sharing your story in just two years, going from a physical therapist to acquiring hundreds of units. Incredible story. You're just getting started, man. Again, thank you so much.
0: Absolutely.
2: Thanks, Ash. It's our pleasure. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us and have a best ever day.